Amen. So glad to have you guys with us here this morning. What a great service. Give God a round of applause, man. Isn't it be good to be in his house this morning? My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here at Connect Church for a long time. And uh, we are in a sermon series called The Gospel According to Luke. Uh, God's got a plan. We're walking you guys by, uh, we're walking you guys verse by verse every single week through the plan of God in our hearts, in our lives, and to know this morning that God has a plan for your life. And every week we're going to discover that through the Gospel of Luke, God is revealing his providential plan. And uh, next week we're going to add another piece to that. And we're so excited about sharing with you God's plan for your life today. So uh, last Sunday we finished up a series of sermons. You guys really, uh, the Holy Spirit moved, man. You guys are so responsive to what God's been teaching into your lives. And uh, it was simply the Luke's version of Jesus' sermon on the plane, the Beatitudes, and we talk to you guys about making life's healthy choices. And what a way to kick off the new year was so powerful. Well, this morning, we're going to actually continue uh, in that same sermon that Jesus gave us, the Beatitudes. He's going to shift gears on us, and we're going to shift gears with him, and we're going to talk to you guys about an entirely new subject uh, that we continue on through uh, the Gospel of Luke. So, here's where we're at this morning. We uh, don't have to debate this, that we all understand this morning that we live in a dog-eat-dog world. Your business competitors, uh, the political uh, combatants, they're literally fighting before our very eyes, on the media, in our lives, tooth and toe. Uh, they're fighting tooth and nail. Yeah, tooth and toenail. Oh, you can't be a toenail. Uh, anyway, and so they're fighting very combatively, and there uh, we see it played out. It is a no hose barred, uh, literal fight to the death. And, and unlike in previous generations, we now live in an age where you cannot just agree to disagree. You have to destroy your enemy if they disagree with you. Now, it may not be quite as ruthless here in Tupelo or in Lee County or the other five counties that y'all drove in from this morning. It may not be quite as bad when you suited up and go to work tomorrow or you guys go to school but it's pretty bad out there. You guys are facing literally all hell breaking loose in the way people treat one another, their attitudes, and just the lack of, I mean, the, the unbelievable division that is going on in our country. So we could not have a more important message that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago that is applicable to you and I. Matter of fact, the very first phrase that we're going to read in today's text Jesus is going to use these words, and he's going to say, but I say unto you. Now, that sounds nice, and when you read it in your American Baptist, you know, King James Version, you're going, oh, Jesus was just saying, but I say unto thou thee, you, uh, whatever, and it's not that way at all. The Greek word there, you, in the original language is a plural, you. In other words, it means all of you need to set up and pay attention. 
If we were translating to today's world, here's how Jesus would begin this message in Tupelo, Mississippi, or in Arkansas, same thing. He would say it simply like this. I'm fixing, I'm fixing to tell all y'all up in here some truth that you all need to get busy with. All right, so this is the Southern translation of, of y'all. All right, anyway, uh, and so he's, he's going to tell us this. He's emphatic. The Greek language here is emphatic tone to it. I need you guys to get this down. And, uh, and how fitting it is in God's sovereignty that on this Sunday before Valentine's Day, and if you guys haven't figured out, fellas, good grief, go get her card. I, uh, and, and by the way, get signed up for the couples thing this weekend, so get yourself out of the doghouse. So, so, and, and we're getting ready to celebrate uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow that God would have a message this morning that he knew as we prepared this sermon series 18 months ago that we would be on this day talking to you guys about love. God really does care about Connect Church, and he wants to pour into you all this morning. And Jesus is going to reveal to you and I about this word love. But love has become so cheapened in our culture and society today, and Jesus is going to teach us this morning. Y'all want to know about tomorrow, talking about love? Fellas, this is what you need to hear me say this morning to get you guys out of trouble. Love is an action word. You don't just say it, okay? You don't just spray it, all right? Love is an action word, and they want to see it. And it really not only uh, helps you out uh, with your romance, but it also is what Jesus was saying in our lives. Love begins, and here's what he's going to teach us this morning. Love the action word is gonna begin with forgiveness. And I know what you all are thinking this morning. What? Forgiveness? Love does not begin with forgiveness. I didn't write it. All right, I'm telling you, it is, and he says there's got to be an action that takes place in your life. You're never going to experience love. You're never going to have the freedom of love until you learn to forgive. And he's going to make the case and the argument for you. Matter of fact, that is our sermon title today. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And this morning we're talking to you about, get your notes out. Uh, we're going to have a lot of notes to cover this morning. Uh, Grace, you're going to like this. So, all right, the freedom found in forgiveness. And we're going to cover a lot of ground here today. But I want to set the message up this way. And I want to illustrate to you. Uh, the point that Jesus is going to make, and uh, this is where we're going to end, and, and you're going you're gonna to be able to connect the dots. So let me help you have a visual this morning, just like Jesus taught. I'm going to give you a visual that you're going to remember this sermon with, not my words, but the freedom found, experienced in forgiveness. So I was... Um, I grew up in this little bitty country church in southern Illinois, and, um, and so at Waltonville, and uh, you couldn't find it on a map, don't even try. And so I grew up in it, and it was this traditional uh, Free Will Baptist church that had a uh, white building, uh, and, and in that little white building, we had in those days, and I know none of you guys are going to even understand, but churches in those days, uh, back in the day, we had bell, t bell, bell tower in your church. So at the top of the front of your building, right before the steeple, you had a bell inside there. And there would be an, a guy in the church that would ring the bell 
And all those of us that are older know what I'm talking about. And you would ring the bell on Sunday morning. Uh, we had a guy that rang the bell at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning at our church. Uh, and it was the fantasy of every little junior boy uh, in, uh, in that church that you would dream of the day that you would get to pull on the, you know, the rope and ring that bell. And this guy that rang the bell at our church was like, heck no. Y'all don't touch my bell. I'm telling you, he was a true Baptist, probably a deacon. And uh, he was like, God voted at me in a business meeting that I'm the only one that can pull the rope. And I don't want none of you nasty kids pulling on that rope. And so he would lecture us every week. We would stand there and kneel, you know, little kids, you know, six years, seven, you know, ten years old. We're like, can we please ring the bell? Don't you touch the rope. You know, and he was that kind of guy, and so it was very inviting. Uh, and anyway, and he looked like, he looked like sort of like Santa Claus, except really angry uh, Santa Claus, and, and uh, he wore overalls. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, I went to a country church, and he wore overalls every Sunday, big old dude, and uh, man, he was, I called him Cranky Kringle, because he was not a happy and jolly uh, kind of guy, and he protected his bell. You know, nobody's ringing my rope, and so... Guess what happened? This old cranky Kringle guy, he, uh, he also was that typical Baptist back in the day that if the preacher went one minute over the 12 o'clock service, dude, he was out because he was going to the buffet and he was in the front of the line and nobody else got any. Anyway, and so uh, the cool thing was because he left church early. Y'all know what Deacon's kids do, don't you? That's why you never let your kids play with them. So as soon as he left, we got the rope. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the preacher was busy talking to people and all that stuff. And it was a small little church. And so they were all out front. And we'd get the rope. And you all know what we did. Ding-a-ling-ling, ding-a-ling-ling. I mean, we were just pulling on that rope. And, uh, and it's just, you know, and the whole town knew it was 12 o'clock. Because, man, we were wearing that bell out. Well, one of the stupid friends of mine, he got to this whole habit that we were fighting over it, and he shoved me down, and he started just ringing it, and he rang it so hard, John, that he got the bell stuck straight up in the air. And the rope went up, and oh, buddy. Man, I never got a beating in my... I didn't even do it! But I still got a whooping because I was there. And so, uh, and, you know, and I know that, you know, you know, what we're politically not supposed to talk about that. I'm not ta- I didn't get a whooping. I got a beating. Okay, and so my parents didn't go to jail, uh, and, um, and uh, you know, anyway, so I'm just telling you, I got, I got the fire beat. Not only did I get the fire beat out of me, but we got the bell stuck up in the air. And, and so the preacher, whew, man, he came down on me, and he came down on us, and he started telling us, he said, you realize, you know, he's hellfire and brimstone, old school preacher. He said, you realize you didn't just break the church bell, you broke Jesus' bell. And I was stupid, and I go, dude, I didn't know Jesus had a bell. <laughs> and and so, so it didn't go over real well. And, and anyway, so he was just trying to make it, you know, and he was laying it on. And I'm pretty much, and I'm thinking, you know, he let us know that, man, you break, you know, not just the church bell, but Jesus' bell, you know where you're going. I mean, dude, you broke Jesus' bell, you know, there's no hope for you. Matter of fact, I'm not sure that he did this, but... I'm pr- the best I can remember uh, is that uh, his sermon the next Sunday was, is, um, his sermon title was, you break Jesus' bell, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> it had a nice ring to it. I like it. 
That was funny. That was, that was, a, that was a good punny. Okay, I'll let it go. Okay, anyway, so I killed it. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, so here's the thing. In all truthfulness, I want you to remember this story today because, and here's where we're going to land with a sermon, is that all, far too often in your life and mine, the devil keeps, and you keep holding on to your bitterness. You keep holding on to your past failures. There's been somebody that has damaged you along the way. There's been something that has happened in your life that has caused irreparable harm to you. And this morning, every time a certain thing happens on television, you hear a name mentioned, a certain circumstances is described, and you're feeling it right now, that bell starts ringing in your life. And it's ringing and reminding you of all the past hurts, of all the pain that you've been through in your life, and the devil's really good at helping you hold on to the bitterness, and you try to ignore it with your fear, and you don't deal with it, and you run away from it, whatever your personality type is, but I'm telling you, the problem is, is we've never really forgiven. And this morning, it is time for you to stop ringing the bell of your past, of your pain, and your hurt. And it's allowing Jesus to teach you, allowing Jesus to teach you and help you forgive what is causing you pain. It is time to let the ringing of the bell go. And this morning, we're going to look into a holy text where God is going to reveal to us through Jesus, his son, and he's going to say in this hostile and difficult world that we live in, the opposite of what the world teaches you, what seems unnatural to you and I, is possible because of me, is what Jesus is going to tell his audience. Learn how to love your enemies. Would you stand with me this morning? Here's the freedom. Here's the Jesus' teaching on the freedom found and forgiveness. It's a lengthy passage, so let's just honor the word this morning. But I say unto you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes, care, takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Ouch. And if you lend to those who from you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend uh, to sinners to get back the same amount. But... Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I want you to let that sink in this morning. God is what? That doesn't make sense. That goes against my Baptist doctrine. If I do everything right, God is good to the good people. 
No. God is good to the ungrateful, the evil, and to the good people. But merciful, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Again, circle that phrase. Judge not, and you will not be judged once and for all. Y'all keep misusing that, and it's frustrating as all get out to a preacher and a theologian. Um, we're going to help clean this up about what that means this morning. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give it, and you will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You may be seated. So here's the deal. This morning, we're going to take a little different pathway today through this, and today we're just going to literally make our points this morning, so hang on, get your notes ready, Gracie, and we're going to run through the text this morning a little bit differently as we unpack the exposition of his word, uh, so let's just do it. Let's just dive into it, and then I'm going to illustrate it as we go through it, but hang on to the end. We're going to, dig di- we're going to dive deeper right here into the word, but in the end... Do not go to sleep on me because we're going to give you a practical exercise. I'm so pumped because you're going to get to do something today at the end of this message to really help eradicate and let the the past quit ringing the bell. And we're going to help you experience freedom this morning. You're going to get to do an exercise today. So hang on with me. All right. So let's let's uh, unpack the, the text here this morning. First of all, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So this is found in verse 27. Verse 27 simply says, the words of Jesus, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Straight out of the text. And and what he's talking about here is he's talking about going contrary to what is natural to us. So let me illustrate it to you this way this morning. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Um, Who do you hate here this morning? We all know that if you are part of our church and for our new people, if you know anything about our music minister, you know that he's from Arkansas and we hear it every single week. But if you, and you know this by now too, he literally, and he will be glad, and you're going to hear from him in just a second, Tanner hates Texas. See, I told you. See, I, I know. I work with a guy. He hates everything about Texas, every university there. It used to be Arkansas was in the old Southwestern Conference. Is that right? And so he hates everything about uh, Texas collegiate sports or whatever. Tanner is so anti-Texas. Me and Andrew get so frustrated with him. He won't even go to Texas Roadhouse uh, restaurant here in town. And so what a moron. Uh, So anyway, uh, so he's just, you know, he has a real issue with Texas. So uh, let me ask you this morning, who's your enemy? Who's the team that you hate? Go ahead and say it out loud. Okay, well, well, that caused division in the household. Um, so I thought somebody, I thought you would say Alabama. But anyway, all right, so here we are this morning, uh, and we're talking about things, and Jesus says, love your enemies, not just the tanner, but love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And our motto is, though, what? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We live in a culture where uh, this is what we believe that we're supposed to do. And Jesus sort of blows that out of the water. And he says, I want you to love your enemies. Now, what we just read in verses 32 through 34, and I got to go through this a little bit quicker here this morning. So I need you to really listen. The whole passage that I'm getting ready to unpack for you hinges on this. 
we've misinterpreted, do not judge and give, you know, he's going, we're going to talk to you guys about taking the coat off your back and give him another one and, and what if you get slapped in the cheek and all this stuff. Here's where you, we've misinterpreted and misapplied it. We have built views and values and you hear people argue, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with my enemies and all that? And there's literally entire groups that are pacifist. And they stand on these verses and they say, these are the verses of why you should never go to war. You should never retaliate to anybody. And literally from the Mennonites and the, uh, and the other groups that, you know, that we should be, you know, very low key and we should never ever have any aggression and all of that. And they've misinterpreted the text. The real context of what Jesus was saying here is he is saying, I want to change your mentality. Not that you're never going to confront your enemies, and we're going to unpack what that looks like, but the whole setting is not, and he's going to say to you and I, it's not in the church house. He's going to say in verses 32 through 34, you all in the church love one another, but you don't love those outside the church. Look at verses 32 through 34. What does he say? He says, even sinners, we could go down to the bar tonight, and when it's packed out, they're having fun. They know how to love one another. What good? He's saying, I need, yes, we should love one another in the church, and we do a wonderful job with that here. But what Jesus is saying in this text, that's not what I'm talking about on this situation. I'm talking about we have a mentality in the church of circling the wagons. Now, you guys are not going to know what this is, but watch an old Western once in a while. And in the old Western movies is that when the Indians, when the engines were coming, uh, they would take the wagons and they would circle the wagons. And that's not racism here. That was just the way the movies, just watch them. Anyway, oh boy. Anyway, and so uh, I don't care what Washington calls their team. But anyway, so, so here's the whole thing. <laughs> is, here's the whole thing is that we, we, we were taught, and this is what the churches did back in the day. And we still do that sometimes today, is that we're taught, man, we've got our holy huddle. And I don't want my kids to be exposed to the world because if they see bad stuff, then they're going to grow up and be bad kids. And, and so we've got to talk about how bad the world is and we're against them and, and our enemies. And Jesus says, let me blow up your whole theory about the world. Love your enemies and do good to them. And by the way, church, you can't do that by having your little holy huddle where you're never around lost people and you don't go and hang out with the lost people at work and you don't have your kids being influenced and be able to chance to make a difference in their neighborhood and their school. Folks, we have so tried to insulate ourselves. What we wound up doing is loving one another. We have no vision. Is it any wonder why they don't want to come to our church? They've never seen us roll up our sleeves and hang out with them, and talk to them, and do good to them, because we're so trying to protect our family. Jesus says, sinners know how to love one another. I need you to love your enemies and to do good. So that's the context. Now let's break it down. And here's, here's what Dr. Daryl Bach, to this point in this argument, great New Testament scholar, Here's what he says, summarizing what I just argued. To love in a way that does not reflect some personal payback. But loving your enemies is to offer the world a different kind of love 
that is not based on what the self receives, but on what we can give. Or but on what we can give, it is to love in a different way than sinners. And then he moves on to the next phrase, and he says in verse twenty-eight, "Bless those who curse you." Now I got to be honest with you. Um, this is a challenge for me, and I want you to look at me this morning because. Preaching on this passage today, to be honest with you, really sucks. So God puts preachers to the test just like he does you all. And here's the thing. I really do believe that I'm supposed to practice what I preach, but I really failed at it miserably this week. So here's what I was going through, David, this week. Uh, I think it was Friday. My phone starts ringing. Uh, and, you know, your phone tells you, Spam, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And so uh, I got one, that, by the way, some idiot from Jamaica called me at 6.30 this morning on the Lord's Day. So anyway, uh, so I'm just tired of it. So on Friday, I get one of these spam calls, and I was just, y'all, y- y'all are, are ever in a mood that you're not sanctified? So I was in a mood Friday, and I had this, you know, I was working on the sermon. It was, I just wasn't coming together. I'm typing on my manuscript. Blends out of town with a grandbaby and so, in Nashville. And so, you know, I'm like, man. And uh, so I just, you know, I'm going to take this one, Michael. So this guy gets on the phone, and I just listen, you know, and I'm trying to do Tanner and Blend love doing this stuff, and I'm not good at it. So, but I was like, all right, I'm going to do this one. I'll see how it goes. And this guy gets on there, and he tells me, you owe $7,243 on a credit card, and blah, 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 and he names the card. And I go, dude, you're a moron. I said, I don't even have a credit card by that, you know, and I don't have any kind of money on there or whatever. And I said, uh, I may got a credit card, but not your kind, and I don't have, you know, $7,000 on it. Anyway, so I just said, you're an idiot. And, um, and then, which wasn't too bad, and I said to him, which still wasn't too bad, because Jesus is not saying we never confront your enemies. And what I said here is not wrong, is I said to him, I said, how sad and pathetic does your life have to be that when America has thousands of job openings right now, we can't get people to drive trucks, we can't get people to work at the restaurant, how sad and pathetic does your life have to be that this is what kind of job you get? How in the world do you put your head down on the pillow and sleep at night? That's legitimate. There wasn't anything wrong with that, confronting the evil that he's doing. But then it went off the rails, Brooks. And so Tuesday night in D group, I will be confessing <laughs> that, you know, where we hold our, each other accountable about the language and stuff that we use, I, I, I did bad. He came back with an answer and he got really personal with me. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you all, don't judge me, but I acted like some of you all. And I'm just telling you, stuff started coming out of my mouth, and I was like, oh! And, uh, and I mean, and I was not blessing, and I, was, I wasn't cursing per se, but I was really close to the line. Uh, and anyway, and just, I mean, just anger, don't judge me. And, and, and then all of a sudden, as I'm just sort of ripping into this dude, over the phone, and we're going at it, and then the scriptures of what I'm preaching on today, Mark, just came flooding through my soul. Bless your enemies and don't curse them, and I'm like, dang it, i got to preach on Sunday. So here I am confessing to you that I struggle uh, just like you guys do, but here's the interesting thing about the phraseology, and this is why Jesus is trying to change me, and he's wanting to free me with forgiveness, and he wants to do the same in your life. The word bless here literally means to speak well of. In other words, 
to speak well of. He's saying, I want you to pour. And we do that great in the church. James, man, I love that sweater. It looked better on me, but that's this nice sweater uh, that you're wearing today. I'm blessing James. Um, you know, and John, you did what you could. And, and so anyway, uh, and so by the way, don't do that to your spouse, you know, today. Uh, so you bless people, and, and, and yet, you know, it's easy to bless. You make them feel good about, you know, you know I love that hat, Lynn, you know, Lane. And so that Lane, uh, so Lynn, yeah, so I know. Uh, but anyway, Lane, that's a pretty hat. So you bless people, and you make them feel better about themselves, and we're good about the church. Man, we'll do that with one another. He says, I need you to do that at work. I need you to do that to the scoundrel that you work with, that person that you can't stand, that kid at school that's a bully. Yeah, we're going to go there. All your enemies that you can think of, I need you to learn how to speak blessings into their lives instead of cursing. Okay, now we just went to Medlin. And remember our context. What Jesus cares about is that the world will know we are Christians, not by our love in the house, but by our love out there. See, that throws a whole different light on how to interpret this text. Your enemies. I'm talking about, yeah, we're going to go there this morning. If I haven't offended you yet, let me see if I can try here. Because this is exactly what Jesus was doing. I'm talking about the majority of you in this room this morning. And we don't care either way, because we welcome everybody into this house. But the majority of you in this room this morning would identify yourselves as a right-wing Republican. We won't go any further because we can get in there because some of y'all get happy. And I get it, and that's cool. But what Jesus is talking about, how do you deal, and it's easy to love on one another, on your views and your political views, but he says, I want you, and the same for the Democrats, to the Republicans. I want you to learn to love a Republican. I want you to learn to love a Democrat, and it's how you talk about them. And by the way, you understand this morning, you can argue on Facebook all y'all want, and you can post everything that you all want to do, and I get it, and I understand it, probably agree with most of it, but the truth of the matter is, you're not going to change the culture by arguing with them. You're going to change the culture by rolling up your sleeve and saying, I may not agree with you on this, but I still care about you. Loving your enemy and blessing instead of cursing. Yeah, I need to get quiet in here now. Okay, preacher. I'm not happy about it, but that's what Jesus says we need to do. Easier said than done. I'm with you. Would you like to make this happen in your life? Here's the steps that Jesus gives us on how to do this. First of all, he says, pray for those who mistreat you. In verse 28, he says, how do you learn to do this? You've got to learn to pray for those who mistreat you. We want to set the record straight. But you understand this morning, Jesus is going to dig deeper into the text. And he's going to say, you understand that vengeance is mine. I'm the judge. And we're going to, we're going to unpack that in just a second a little bit further. But I want, to, I want to land here. The first prominent step in having freedom found in forgiveness is you've got to learn to pray for your enemies. And here's what it looks like. Um, we had a lady, and because of the internet, so I'm going to just call her Susie, uh, that was in one of our churches early on. And Sister Susie, 
uh, y'all know how we knew it in South Georgia, Sister Susie. And she had been in that church. The church was 110, yard, 110 years old. They'd only had three pastors, and I was their fourth pastor after 110 years. And boy, did they mess up. And Sister Susie um, was never a big fan of mine because we had a giant wooden pulpit and a giant King James Version Bible that I was supposed to turn the pages and speak about 20 minutes and talk very slow and methodical and because that's the way the other three pastors over the last 110 years had done it, and then they got me. My very first Sunday there, I was preaching and doing what I do, and I ripped the pages and tore them in the King James Version, and you thought the church was going to fall in. And so I put my own Bible up there, and she never liked me from that point forward. We had three little boys, and she would start a group eventually and some others that they were going to do what typical Baptist folks do is they were going to get rid of me. And they were really sort of threw salt into their wounds is God took the church from about 40 and we were running over 120 and we'd baptize almost 50 people and it was just amazing. We were out so far out in the country. We were a little free will Baptist church that where we plant them at that you took 30 miles to even find it. And then we had a cemetery there because there was more dead people in our cemetery was in the entire county. And they didn't like it. And when you've got three little kids, and you can be spiritual all you want, and you have to move, it gets personal. Because you have an income, and there's a lot of people listening to me this morning, and there's a lot of people sitting in this room that have been hurt and wounded by church people. And it gets personal. And it gets personal. But God says, love her. Bless her and don't curse her. I wanted to do the opposite. But I walked out and we moved on. And 20 years later, around 2016, I went back to that little country church that we had a great experience in. And I was preaching the funeral of a deacon who loved me, and he was just a great guy in that little bitty cemetery by that little country church. And the church was down to about 30 people, back to where they were. And Miss Susie walks up to me at the funeral. I have not seen her in 20 years. Oh, this is going to be good. Celebrating the life of one of the deacons that I dearly love, emotional, and I see her coming for me. And I got to be honest with you. I was trying everything. I wish that had COVID back then because I would have put a mask on and ran. Anyway, sorry, that's terrible. But anyway, and so uh, that was horrible. But, uh, you know, I was trying to get out of there. And she made a beeline for me. And when Miss Susie wants to talk to you, you know, she's, and so she gets right up at my grill. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, this is going to be good. And I look down at Miss Susie. And all those emotions ringing the bell came up in me. And I was like, all right, you want to go? I'm 20 years older now. We'll go. And with tears streaming down her face, she said, you know, when you were here, I didn't understand what you were trying to do. I didn't like the changes. But I realized it wasn't you now. It was God. And some of the greatest days that we ever had 
And to be quite honest with you, I wish we had him back. It was when you were here and God was moving and we missed that. And I just want to say to you, I'm sorry. And at that moment, because of what I had done 20 years earlier, trying to be obedient to this text, I had prayed for that church for 20 years. I wasn't mad and I wasn't bitter. I was praying for God to heal them and God to restore them. And in that moment, you know what I did, Daniel? I bear hugged Miss Susie. I wept with her and I said, consider yourself forgiven. Isn't heaven going to be grand? And from that day point to this day forward, I have prayed for Miss Susie every single Friday. And I want to tell you, forgiveness is freeing. Forgiveness is free. It may not change the people that have hurt you, but it releases you. And so Jesus says to you and I, I want you to pray. And here's what Major Ian Thomas says. And I want you to write this down. The power of prayer releases the supernatural inside of you. And here's what he means by that. You can't. He never said you could. He can. He always said he would. I love that phrase. And I want you to leave it up there for just a second, uh, Chris, because I want everybody to write that down. Because I know what you're sitting here thinking this morning. But preacher, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what that guy did to me. You don't know what that family in the church did to me. You don't know what it cost me. You don't know how I've been hurt. You don't know the pain that I've been through. Ring the bell, ring the bell. And all the while, here's what God Almighty is saying. Listen to me. This is the key to the whole sermon today. It's what Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago. He's telling you all this morning, I'm not telling you all. Remember how he began the message? I'm not telling you all you have to forgive. I'm telling you all, let me forgive for you. You see, he can do what you can't do. I hear you all say, I can't forgive that. I can't forgive this. God's not asking you to do it on your own. He's saying, let me forgive for you. Somebody say amen. That's good. Let me forgive for you. You let Jesus forgive the Susie in your life. And it's good, and it's freeing for you. Now, here's the other parts of this. Because of what Jesus was teaching in this text, here's what he says in verse 29. I'm going to give you these quickly because I've got to get to the end. Respond to aggression with gentleness. Be generous to those who are selfish, in verse 30. Treat others the same way you want to treat them, verse 31 the golden rule. And then here's where I want to hang out for just a second. Don't judge. Let God set the record straight. How many of us have quoted to other people, social media, oh, don't judge, don't judge, and we have so violated scripture. I just want to go here for about 30 minutes but I'm going to try to love my enemies. All right, so here's the thing. He says, and we misquote that text all the time, don't judge me. Jesus said, don't judge. Oh my gosh, here's what he meant by that statement that we have misquoted a thousand times over. He's not talking about that you can't point out people's sin. Jesus was doing it in the very midst. Now, let's dig down into this a little bit deeper, and I want to make this quick, so hang on with me. 
But here's who Jesus was talking to. You remember he talks about what we just read in one of the other verses. He said, when, you know, when somebody slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. We've all heard that. And then he says, take off your coat, you know, give you that. Jesus is using hyperbole. Just like when I gave you the bell, bell illustration earlier on, Jesus is exaggerating to make a point because he wants you all to have the attitude and humility of forgiveness. He is not arguing that you can never call out sin and say, you know what, that's just wrong. He's not saying that at all, but he's saying you do it with humility and you do it with an attitude that says, he's not saying that if you get slapped that you don't speak into people. Now, you all understand when Jesus said this, you understand that within six months, those of you that know Christianity, that Jesus would be on trial before a high priest who would slap Jesus in the face. You ever connected the dots here? And what did Jesus do? He didn't turn the other cheek. He looked at him and he said to them, Chop, I can call angels down right now, right now to destroy all of you. You don't even understand who you've just slapped is the Son of God. But he did it in love. And you say, what are you talking about? Because a few hours later when they nailed him to the cross, he would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, you can forgive because Jesus has forgiven you. And this is the whole reason we don't have the circle, the wagon mentality. Because if we become a church that is just worried about protecting ours and our good name and our family, you forget that without Jesus Christ, you're a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner that deserves an everlasting hell. And when we become so uppity and so proud of how we look and what we do at our church, you forget the humility that if it wasn't for the forgiveness of God, you would be just like the people out there. So how about we quit judging them and remember we are them without Jesus Christ. So the whole point is the attitude. We love our enemies because it reminds you and I, I am nothing without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. How dare I be so self-righteous? Don't judge. Let God set the record straight. The idea there in the original language is Jesus was saying to his disciples, I know that you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue for following me. I know that in the Jewish community, you're no longer going to be able to do business. Some of you are going to lose your own family. But here's the thing. I don't want you to set up and say as a judge that God destroy all these people that have rejected me. God is saying you don't get to act as judge. God says I will set all wrongs right. And this, you, you hear me this morning? Y'all keep thinking, but if I forgive, they're going to get away with it. Stop that lie from hell. You understand, nobody gets away from anything because God's seen it all. He knows it all. He will set all wrongs right. Let him be God and let him be judge, and you go on about your business free in forgiveness. Isn't that good? That's what it means about don't judge. Not that you can't point out sin. It means you go about your business and you let God take care of those who are enemies. And so he finishes out the statement. Forgiveness leads us to blessings. Blessings. 
And it has a great word picture there this morning. And I wish I had time to unpack it, but it simply means this. When you would go into a store in those days, you would ask for a, it wasn't the same usage, but they would, you would ask for a, a, a pound of grain to fix for your family. And Jesus gives us a beautiful word picture here. He says, when you learn to have the freedom of forgiveness, when you go in and you learn to start forgiving your enemies, I'm going to give you more than a pound. I'm going to give you such freedom and such blessings into your life that's going to overflow on your lap and they're not even going to be able to measure it. I'm going to give you so much more when you learn to forgive your enemies. So here's what it looks like in your life and mine. That's the text. Let me give you two quick applications. Number one, here's how we get this done in our lives. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. You read this week in Acts chapter 6, and, and let me again refresh. In Acts chapter 6, if you're doing our here journals, and by the way, for all of our new people out at the guest services desk, we've got a reading plan. So those of us that are reading the Bible together, we're doing our here journals, we're learning to apply the Word of God into our lives, get on that, pick that up at guest services desk, go online, you can uh, join with us. But here's where we were at, church, this week. Isn't it what a, what a wonderful week of here journaling? And so we're in Acts chapter 6 this week, and in Acts chapter 6, and this is living out, what Jesus was teaching in this passage. Jesus has already ascended back to heaven, the cross, the resurrection, Easter, all that's happened, and now the early church is being birthed, and the early church is an exciting, and the very people that used to be enemies of God, Peter and the others are preaching, 3,000 get saved, 5,000 get saved. The church is exploding the way the church should be doing, what God's doing here, a little bit of taste of revival, and so guess what happens? The very same people that hated Jesus, they're now enemies with the Christian community, and so they get so upset at losing power and control that they arrest a layman, a dude that just sat in the audience like you guys by the name of Stephen. And they get Stephen and put him up on trial. And what happens in Acts chapter 6, y'all read it with me this week, uh, Stephen preaches the greatest non-preacher sermon you've ever heard in your life. And he takes them all the way back from their Jewish heritage. And he says, from the days of Abraham to David to the prophets, and I mean, he just let them rip. And he says, y'all killed the people that follow God. You, the Jews, killed your own leaders because you hated what they preached, and you're still doing it today. And boom, dropped the mic. They get, it literally says that their teeth begin to grind. Look at the text on the screen. And now when they heard these things, the enemies. They were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. They've got rocks in their hands and they're stoning him. And so, and Stephen says, behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But when they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears. In other words, they still wasn't listening and they rushed together. But now they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. I don't know if you've ever connected the dots here, but it just jumped all over me this week. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, remember what Jesus said, love your enemies? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he was dying. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It is so freeing. When you find forgiveness, it is so free when you found forgiveness that he just went into the presence of the glory of God. But now, here's the rub. 
You notice what happened in that text. Because I have been forgiven. Go back to that point, Chris. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. There was a young man that day that was standing there and listened to Stephen forgive them. And as they stripped Stephen's body, bloody body in his clothes, they threw him at a young man's feet who would go on to kill more Christians like you than any man has ever done in the history of this world. But on one day, on a little road called Damascus, the glory of God would shine down. And don't you know what struck him that day on that road to Damascus, Brooks? It was remembering the words of the one that forgave him. Lord, forgive them for they do not understand what they are doing. And I believe that conviction so drove Paul to repent. And he found Jesus that day, and he would go on to become the greatest preacher outside of Jesus that would ever walk this planet. And it never happens if Stephen was not willing to forgive. Have you ever thought of it? Because I have been forgiven, I can forgive. This past week, <clears throat> I was in Illinois, and um, I went back home. My mother had breast cancer surgery. My dad, uh, they're divorced, and um, my dad is in a hospital, and he's had strokes and um, dementia, and he can't walk. It was a rough week. And for those of you who don't know the story, um, my parents were Baptist church leaders on the outside, but on the inside, we had a horrible home life. My dad was abusive, verbally and physically. At times, I grew up in a living hell, but nobody knew it. Randy and Joy grew up with me in the same area. Nobody talked about the Pierce family because we kept stuff hidden in secret in those days because we wanted to protect the family name. Stop doing that stupid stuff. I'm look at, look at me this morning. My family life sucked. I had a horrible family life. It was miserable and I'm calling it out now because if you don't deal with it and call it out, you're gonna pass it on to the next generation. And rather than worried about what my grandparents or somebody else stupidly thinks about my past, I'm more worried about my kids growing up and breaking the change and the cycle of abuse. Somebody say amen. And I stood with my dad in the hospital who abused me who I had a horrible relationship with. And years ago, I had forgiven because I am forgiven. It didn't change my dad. My dad, families online listening today, they're gonna be ticked off, they're gonna be other ones, but, and I don't care, call me, because it is what it is. And here's the rest of the story. My dad never changed. My dad's still a jerk, still is who he is, but it freed me. And so guess what I did Monday at the bed of my hospital? And I know what y'all are Southern folks are going, well, you shouldn't talk like that. Yes, you should. Because until you deal with this stuff, you keep ringing the bell of your past until you own it. And at the hospital bed of my dad lying there, can't walk with a stroke, 
I picked up my dad's hand because forgiveness in reality is so freeing. And I held my dad's hand and I prayed God's blessings over him. And I prayed for God to heal him and to love him. And when I got done, my dad had tears streaming down his face. It didn't change my dad. It freed me. You see, this morning, that's what God is wanting to do in your heart and your life. I love my dad. I cared for my dad. And I'm going to take care of him through all of this because it's not about me and what's happened in the past. It's all about the freedom, the freedom of forgiveness and doing the right thing and showing love. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to stand with us. And instead of having an invitation this morning, we're going to put principle number two on the screen. And we're going to give you an action to do, and we're going to let you go. We're going to nail it to the cross, and it starts today. And I want you to write that down. Nail it to the cross, and it starts today. And I believe that Jesus really has an important application for us this morning. It went way long, and I apologize. But man, I just believe God has a word for us today. I want you to reach into your purse or your wallet or in the chair in front of you. Pull out the offering envelopes that are in the back of the chairs. You don't use them anyway. And I want you to right now pick up a piece of paper, small piece of paper, and I want you to write a name down right now, a name of somebody that has hurt you, somebody that has caused you an enormous amount of pain, Somebody that when they, you just think about them, you get angry. And honestly, down deep, you hate them. And you know who it is. I don't have to tell you. The Holy Spirit just, that, you know it jumped right into your brain as soon as I asked the question. And I want you to write that name down. And I want you to write it down right now. Physically, write the name down. Write it on the piece of paper. You know who it is in your heart and your mind. Nobody looking around, just you. And write it down. Now here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray over you this morning. And we're going to pray that God helps you do what you can't do. And that God lets you forgive them. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, their names in the room all over this building. Those at home watching online this morning. Our friends in Missouri. We're writing the, and we've written the names down. And God, you already know them. We already know them. And God, right now we're calling that name out. Everybody in this room praying. Everybody listening this morning, we're calling that name out. And we're saying, God, I can't forgive them. God, this hurts. God, I'm so angry at what they caused, the pain in my life. The guy that I work with, the bully at school. And God, I want you to take him out. God, protect me from them. Remember what I said. It didn't change my dad. It changed me. I overcame the pain because of God's forgiveness of what he did for me. And so this morning, in Jesus' name... I'm asking you, Jesus, you pray this with me. I'm asking you, Jesus, to do in me what I cannot do myself. I am tired of the bell ringing in my life. I am tired of every time that name comes up, every time I see that person, it brings up all of the pain. It brings up all. I am tired of the devil ringing that bell in my life. I want freedom. I want to be let go. And the only way I can do it is if you do it for me, Jesus. The forgiveness that Jesus gave to you is the same power that can release this this morning in your life. Now look at me, church. I want you to take that piece of paper and wad it up. Don't throw it on the floor. Miss Kim won't have a heart attack. But I want you to wad it up 
And on your way out, I want you to put it in the trash like you've never put anything in the trash today. I want you to give it away, and I want you to throw it away because there is freedom in forgiveness. Are you with me this morning, church? There is freedom in forgiveness. Now, this morning, look at me today. We're not going to sing a verse of invitation. I went way over my time limit this morning, and I'm so sorry. But, man, I cannot leave this place today without knowing that there's somebody here this morning that you are the one that needs to be forgiven. You don't even know how to deal with your enemies because you're the one that has strayed. You've been the enemy of God. And for whatever reason, you realize this morning that God is speaking into your heart. We're going to invite you to come today and get saved. We're going to invite you to be that prodigal that's just straight away from God and saying, I want to come to an old-fashioned altar. Our counselors will meet with you. They'll lead you to a personal relationship with Christ. I'm telling you, the God that forgave me would love to forgive you this morning. Would you just step out and come right where you're at? Church members are praying, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would just come today and say, maybe you need to come and put that name on the altar today and you need to pray, God, I'm tired of carrying this pain. I'm tired of the bell ringing in my life. Today, God, I give that person to you. I forgive. Give me your freedom this morning. Would you come this morning? No invitation song. Would you just come with us today? Now, here's the thing. I want to remind you and I this morning. Look at me, audience, as we wrap this up. I want to remind you this morning that the first principle that we gave to you is what we're going to pray into our lives. Because I have been forgiven, because I have been forgiven, I can forgive. Do you believe that this morning? This is what we're praying into our hearts and our lives. The freedom is found in forgiveness because I have been forgiven. Because I have been forgiven, I can forgive. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.